Today we're talking about turn your family around. Today's message is called turn your kids around. I'm excited about today's message. And last week we talked about turn your marriage around. And no, ladies, I know many of you are wanting me to do turn your husbands around. But my wife said, I'm not qualified. So I can't. So anyways, no. So we're talking today about turn your kids around. How do you get those kids going in the right direction, especially in today's world where it seems like there's more and more opportunity for them to get screwed up? How do you raise good kids? It's just hard. I'm not going to lie. I mean, it's a challenge. So today I don't talk to you as some kind of expert with perfect children. I talk to you as a fellow struggler, as a parent saying, here's kind of some stuff I've learned that's worked and here's what I've learned that did not work. And so we still have one more child in the house. Our youngest, our daughter goes off to college next year. And so, but our boys are, are pretty much grown and, and uh, I'm still parenting them to some degree because they're at that launch stage. Uh, but at the same time, you do definitely shift as a parent from more of a authoritarian to more of a friend and encourager and a counselor at times, things like that. But you know what, I, I will just want to share honestly from our own family, we've always been really honest about our own struggles. And so I'm excited about today's message as we unpack that today. Let's start with our mission statement. What are we here to do as a church? We're here to take as many people to heaven as we can before we die, period. It's all about here at Church Unlimited. Well, heard about this dad. He's trying to get his kid to go to sleep. And so, you know, he's, he's in the living room watching TV, trying to be left alone. And his son, his four-year-old, will not go to sleep. How many parents can relate to the story, right? You're like, they just will not go to sleep. Just, you know, and it's funny too, because you know, you, when you're little, you don't want to go to sleep or you don't want to take a nap. Now I wish someone would knock on my door and say, you need to take a nap. I'll be like, okay, I'm going to lay down right now. Thank you for asking. I will gladly lay down right now. I mean, wouldn't it be great if we could have nap time as adults? That'd be awesome, right? I'll be like, yes, let's do this. It's so great. But no, as a kid, you don't want to do it. And so this little boy, he did not want to go to sleep. His dad's like, yells from the living room, son, go to bed, right? And here's his son playing around. And uh, he says, go to bed. His son says, I'm not tired. He says, I don't care. Go to bed. And so about five minutes later, he says, son, I still hear you. Go to sleep. And his son says, I'm thirsty. His dad yells in the living room, go to sleep. You can't have any water. We know what happens when you have water. <laughs> five minutes later, dad, I need some water. He yells back, son, no water. Go to bed. Five minutes later, dad, I need some water. Finally, his dad can't take it. He, he jumps up and he says, if you keep talking, I'm going to come in there. And the boy yells back, when you come, bring water. How <laughs> many guys can relate to that, right? This is why the number one parenting verse of all time is thou shalt not kill. We're going to look at some other scriptures today, though. But that's also a very important one. But sometimes raising kids can just leave you frustrated. You think, man, is anything I do working? Are they hearing anything I say? I understand that feeling. They are getting more than you think. I want to give you five simple principles that work. They just work, not because I'm so brilliant, but because God is so good and his word is so clear. So I want to give you five things you can do. But the first thing is really a premise that we have to begin with. And it sounds negative at first, but this will help you as a parent if you get this premise in your brain. So here is the first beginning premise to everything else we're going to say. And here it is. Let's begin with the right premise. And here it is. We are all born sinners, all of us. And until you understand that, you'll be really frustrated with your kids. If you're like, man, they just want to do whatever they want to do. And they're just so selfish and just all about, right, we're all sinners. And so the reason it's important is because some of us uh, want to believe, oh, my kid, they would never do anything. And they're just a little angel. And that just, you're going to be very disappointed if that's your belief system. Because you're going to find out really quick that kids left to their own devices turn into maniacs, okay? 
And so it's really true, and I don't mean to frustrate you, but I'm not trying to be negative. I'm trying to help you be positive. But this is re the reason why we need Jesus, right? Is because he saves us from our sinful state. But, but the truth is, is that we are all sinners. Until you understand this, you'll go, you'll go crazy thinking, why is my kid so bad? We're all bad, all of us. This is the power of the church. We, we're, when people say, well, you're only good because you're a pastor. Well, it definitely helps to be a pastor. That's true. Why? Because there's an expectation, you know, I would say church makes us all better people. It really does. In the same way, I just, I need to let you know something. They've done all kinds of studies and they found that the kids left to their own devices will act up. They will be selfish. They just will. And so a lot of times kids acting up is just the natural uh, state of things. And the reason I want to bring this up, they've done all kinds of studies. In fact, there was a study done uh, in the 70s and 80s. They took primates. They took basically monkeys, gorillas, and they studied them to see, you know, like they thought, well, you know, nature is naturally good. And if we let them just naturally have their family, then they'll raise each other healthy. What they discovered was they literally tore each other apart. Literally. They murdered their parents. They, mur they, they, they would gang up in groups of young monkeys and they would go around the cage and kill everyone. I'm not making this up. And the reason this is important for you to understand is because you and I left on our own, it's scary what our potential to do bad is. And the reason I say that is because you feel like you're a no machine. You ever felt that way? Like you're going, no, 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 no. You feel like you're a no machine? That's parenting. And if you don't know that going in, you'll think, do I just have the worst child that's ever been born? You don't. You don't because you can't because I already have them. So you can't have them because I have them. No, I'm just kidding. The truth is, though, we're all human. And so until you understand the natural state of things is for us to be all about ourselves, is to be selfish. Until you understand that, you won't realize that's why you're needed so bad, parents, is to raise good kids. It's work. It's, it's a constant battle. It's a constant challenge. And so I just want to encourage you that, that you've got to be in the fight. That's part of it. And so, in fact, I will tell you this about rules and with kids too. It's very similar to animals. If you go to the zoo, I know you're like, you keep comparing children to zoo animals. What's going on here? I know. That's because we were raised by animals. Anyways, no. No, but the truth is this. If you, if you go to a zoo, you will see this because this is what psychologists do is they study. And the reason I'm bringing this up, you may say, what about the word? We're going to go to the word in a minute, but I wanted to start with the facts that psychology is just confirmed what the Bible said all, all along was that we're natural born sinners and we need Jesus. We do. We also need structure. In fact, the, what they found that if you go to any zoo and you see an animal going crazy versus another animal that's calm just sitting there, the one that's new is still testing the boundaries. And they're rattling the cages and they're pushing against the plexiglass. They want to see, can I get out of here? And when they finally figure out that the rules aren't going to change, they calm down. This is why, mom and dad, it's such a big deal for us to have a hard line somewhere that doesn't move. Because if it moves, they'll learn to rattle the cage. Does that make sense? And again, I know you're like, you're still comparing my child to a chimpanzee. I know. <laughs> but it's true, we have to have really clear boundaries. Otherwise, they'll just keep pushing it. They discovered in this study, this psychologist who was studying, a clinical psychologist studying primates to, to learn how to better parent. And basically the conclusion was, and the book I was reading on this was that basically said, why, why would some children hit their own parents? And the answer is real simple, because they can. Because the mom or dad lets them get away with it. That's the only reason. And not every child's like that, but for a stubborn child that just wants to get their way, you're going to have to, almost like a wild horse, break them. 
Now, I'm not trying to say physically hurt anyone. Not at all. In fact, if you do it right, it doesn't require anything like that. But I want to lead to the next point. This is probably the most controversial thing I'll say all day, but I think it's important we remember this even in today's day. Number two, that we need to dis- discipline our kids. Discipline is important. So number one is to begin with the right premise that we're all sinners. It says in Psalms 14, let me read the scripture. The Lord looks down from heaven on, on children of man to see if there are any who understand who seek after God. They all have turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Wow. Basically, all of us left to our own devices are about ourselves. We are naturally selfish on our own. This is why we need God in our lives. That's also why we need church. And so this is number two, why we need to discipline our kids. Now, discipline is a word that conjures up in people's minds some kind of abuse, some kind of physical abuse, some kind of, you know, just the psychological battle going on. That's ridiculous. That doesn't mean anything like that. In fact, here's what God says about discipline. Deuteronomy 8. Just as a parent disciplines a child, the Lord your God disciplines you for your own good. So it doesn't for your own good. This is not to harm anyone. This is for your own good that he does that. Now, I just want to tell you honestly, because I'm only saying this not because I'm recommending it to you, but I want to encourage you that in today's day and time, a lot of people are taking this off the table when you don't have to. And that is that we did spank our children. We did. Just, that means we physically spanked them on the behind, on the bottom, okay? But honestly, it's only because we have some pretty strong-willed kids. And so there's a, some kids who are very much approval-driven that you look at them wrong and say, I can't believe you did that. And they'll just, I'm so sorry, I won't do that again. That's not our kid. <laughs> None of our children were like that. They're all like, well, I got away with it. I'm going to do it again. You know, so that, that's what we had to face. So the only thing that really helped with our kids was a discipline of some sort. Now, honestly, I quit spanking them, I mean, years ago. Mason's 24. I mean, he had to have spanking at least 18 months. I mean, it's been a while. So. <laughs> just kidding. No. Honestly, I think he was the longest we had to go with all of our kids, and I think we were done with that maybe by eight or nine, and it was like maybe once or twice a year at that point. Very, very rare. And I think what was funny, the reason I knew it was over is I was just like, okay, what do you want? You want your Xbox taken away? You want a spanking? They're like, give me a spanking. I was like, that's why I know I'm taking the Xbox, because <laughs> the spanking doesn't work anymore, right? And so but I'll never forget one time Mason, he knew he was in trouble. He, he, he acted up and Jessica came in. She's like, you got to take over. I can't take this. He's being a toot. You know, I was like, okay. So I came in and, and I mean, I was already told what to do. You know, like, hey, he did this. He does like, oh yeah, that's spanking worthy right there. So I came in, he knew he was getting spanking. I walked in, he bent over on the bed and there was a square book in his bottom. <laughs> like he'd shoved a full book down his pants. I was like, Mason, obviously that's not your body. He's like, Daddy, just hurry up. I was like, no, pull the book out. No, I don't want to pull the book out. I was like, oh, my gosh. And then the hard part is how you keep a straight face, you know? Like, this is just like, this is ridiculous. So, anyways, but the truth is, is that we did have to do that a little bit. But if you do it right, it's not very long. And, and honestly, it's, it's, not, it's not hard. I mean, it's not, that, I mean, that's when people, when, when, when it goes to abuse, we've never done this, but I, I know how parents got there is that they were so frustrated. They think, I just need to spank them harder. No, that's not it. That's not it. A couple of swats in the butt will do it, but let me just say right now, for those of you who say, I don't want to do that, Pastor, that, I'm great with that. I'm not trying to tell you to do it. I'm just trying to tell you those who feel guilty when this subject's brought up, we don't need to. The Bible talks about this. Now, having said that, most parents don't have to do that very long at all. In fact, I think with Sophie, we were done at 18 to 24 months. 
because she, she got the message like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I don't want to get spanking. And that was it. And so I know some of you are like, I can't believe we're talking about this word today. But guys, we have a problem in our society. We have very undisciplined kids that are causing massive problems. And I'm telling you right now, as, as harsh as this sounds to you, I think it's a little more harsh when I watch police videos of, of five cops jumping on a kid thinking, what if that were my kid? And I don't blame them for doing it at all. I think most policemen who are listening to investors are saying, please let parents hear this so they can solve the problem before they get to us. Does that make sense? Yes, and so, in fact, those of you who think, I don't agree with this, I don't think we should discipline kids, let me give you the order of discipline. Here it is. If, you, if parents don't discipline kids, then they end up at teacher's uh, desks and the teacher has to discipline them. Then they listen to the teacher, they say, forget the teacher, I don't care what he says. Then the principal, right? Then they have the principal's office. Then they listen to the principal, then they have to listen to the truancy officer or the police officer. Then they listen to the police officer and they got to listen to the judge. Then they listen to the judge's discipline, they got to listen to the warden's discipline. Where would you like this to start? Somewhere in there, they need to face a wall that doesn't move. I would much rather you say, Pastor Bill, you seem harsh to me that my kid ended up having to be disciplined by a teacher, a principal, a police officer, or a warden. Discipline your kid. Make sense? Now, now let me tell you how that, that these are the two most effective things we ever did to, to bring discipline to our kids. And so they're simple. They're not complicated at all. Here they are. When they disobey, remove what they love. That is the most powerful discipline there is. It doesn't take much at all. If I remember, we used to fight our kids and fight our kids, clean your room, 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 clean your room. We just, we got tired. And Jessica was like, I'm tired of saying this. And I'll never forget the day we just said, we walked in, we're like, you know what? We're not going to argue with you clean your room anymore. We're just going to take the Xbox. You let us know when the room's cleaned. It's amazing how fast it got cleaned. <laughs> take something they love. It's not hard. And so for our boys, it was the Xbox. Uh, I know some teenagers for them, uh, uh, it's the skateboard. Uh, for my daughter, it was her phone. You took her phone away. Oh, I mean, we're talking crocodile tears coming up. <laughs> it was unbelievable. I mean, it is incredible. I'm talking about just like two nights ago. It was crazy. I mean, I'm just, I'm just kidding. But the truth is, if you take something away that they love, they'll come running. They'll be like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Take car keys, right? Take the key. I remember, you know, cold, 16. Nope, give me your keys. Oh, come on, dad. No, no, no. Nope, come on. Give me the keys. And so just take away something they love. Probably the most painful thing is it hurt me to do this, but I knew I had to do it. Mason, like, flagrantly disciplined. Like, he knew the rule. Mason knew the rule. You know what doing? He's like, I know. I did know the rule. And he knew it. And he was like, and I did it anyways. Straight up told me. I was like, all right. And once a year, we would go to either a Texans game or a Rockets game. And we already had Rockets tickets. They were all excited. And so I was like, you're not going to the game. And he was he was shocked because this is like his favorite thing in the whole world. So we had pictures of our whole family at the game with no Mason in the picture. And it hurt. It hurt me to do it. I mean, I was like, oh, I hate this. Because it was like an annual thing. We loved doing it. We talked about it. We built this whole game up. We picked the game out, the night. I mean, everything. And he wasn't there. And I hate it. I think the reason we don't discipline parents is not because we're worried about what's going to do to our kids. I think we don't like what it does to us. It's just hard. You know, and especially when your kids get a little older and they can look at you and say, I hate you. I wish you were dead. I wish I was raised by another family. That doesn't mean you're a bad parent. That means you're a good parent. They're just saying that because all they have is words. Does that make sense? 
So don't, don't, don't sweat that. They're going to say things like that, you know. And so just let them, you know, I wish I had another family. I'd be like, well, you can go find one if you want, but this is the one you got now. Sorry. That's, <laughs> there are other families out there. If they'll take you, I don't know. You can try, you know. The, the truth is, is that if you will stick to your guns, if you will say, no, I'm not going to budge, eventually they'll, they'll quit rattling the cage. And so, but the most powerful thing we ever did was just remove what they love. Normally it's an item or a privilege, a phone, skateboard, freedom, things like that. Like, hey, you know, you want to go out with your friends tonight, you're not going to do that. Things like that. That was a game changer. And then when they obey, this is important, when they obey, reward what you love with an item or a privilege. Like, hey, this is what we wanted you to do. You did it. Good job. So we're going to give you this. And so it's, it's not one or the other, it's both. And some parents are frustrated, but I don't think that's right, that you should just punish them for something they did and reward them for something. Guys, if you don't teach them this now, they're not going to understand this is how life works. Well, I mean, you're gonna be, they're going to be shocked. I would rather take a skateboard away than one day when they're 30, have their boss take their paycheck away. And be shocked, I don't know what happened, I kept showing up late, and they fired me. Right? That's what they'll do. Like, that, that, that's, that's normal. Like, you, you're supposed to show up on time and do your job. And if you don't, they're not required to keep paying you. And so this is why that exchange we're talking about of like, do this or reward you, don't do that or we'll punish you, that seems cruel to you. That's life. And, and young people who don't understand this as a child have really tough times as an adult. Because this principle just works, period. This is just how life is. It's a series of rewards and punishments. And so, I mean, last time I checked, the only reason we all don't drive 100 miles an hour is because you will get a what? A ticket, right? And when you don't think there's a police around, how fast do you go on that road? Because why? Because the natural tendency of human beings is to do what we want. So if you don't think there's anyone there that's going to stop you, you're going to go 100 miles an hour. And so that's the truth of it. And so it's not a bad thing that there is authority in our lives. It actually protects us. It's helpful. And so doing this with your kids also helps. We had stubborn kids. You know, stubborn kids make for great leaders, by the way. So keep that in mind. You know, we used to always remember that we go meet their teachers and they go, your child's going to be a great leader. And we are like, oh, no, we know what that means. <laughs> that means they've been giving you the business, right? But it's true. A lot of kids that are real stubborn end up leading well as adults and so, but it's really tough to raise a kid that is like that at times. So, but hang in there. And by the way, can we just stop a moment and give it up for the single moms? Because you are massive heroes. Wow. Amazing. Incredible. I love this quote. This is a quote by Jordan Peterson. He says, do not let your children do anything that makes you dislike them. Isn't that a great quote? And so I know you may think, well, but I don't want to make it about me just because I don't like that they do that. No, but, but whatever you let them get away with that makes you not like them and you're their parent and you don't like them, then that means their spouse won't like them either for that. Their boss won't like them either for that. Their friends won't like them either for that. So if you will take the time to say, no, that's not okay. That ticks me off. You're not going to do that again. It's better for them to hear that from you and realize, oh, that's not okay, than for them to think it's okay in marriage one day or with their friends one day or with, the spa, with their boss one day or, or in church or wherever. So it's important. And so I just want to encourage you, we, we have to do our part as parents to say, no, not okay. Look at Proverbs 14, 19. It says this, eventually evil will pay tribute to good. What does that mean? That means that at some point evil will pay tribute. That means I'm going to back off and realize this is the law, this is the rule, this is the boundary. At some point, you're going to recognize the boundary. And even if it takes you one day sitting in a prison cell, at some point you'll go, 
Yep, there's a law and I can't break it. Wouldn't it be a lot easier if you taught them that than for them to learn that in a miserable way? And so solitary confinement, I hear, is the worst thing you can possibly do to someone. Or as a child, you could just, we just call it grounding. I'd much rather than just be grounded and sit in their room and be really, really bored and be like, wow, this is horrible. All my freedoms are taken away. Yep, that's a lot better than jail. Learn it now because it'll really help you in life down the road. Again, this may seem harsh. So I'm trying to be helpful, I promise you. Let me just mention, too, um, this just happened. There was a, a Louisiana high school that day after day had violent incidents happening this last year. This just happened like a month or two ago. Early in, in, in the school year, they just kept having more and more violence in their school. And you know what finally changed it? It wasn't a school policy. It was a group of dads that all got together and said, we're done with this. So they got together, about 40 dads, or one called the other. They start off three or four, then there's 40 of them. And then they, they just said, we're going to volunteer a time. And they would come and put one dad per hallway. It only took three or four dads a day to do this. One dad per hallway. Do you know the violence completely stopped? That is the power of a male presence. Men, you are needed. You are needed. So I just, I just cannot recommend it enough. And, and for the single moms here, you say, man, I wish I had that in my home. That's the power of the church. That's why I cannot recommend enough children's church and youth group. Why? Because there's godly men in those environments too. There's godly women too. There's also godly men, especially when it comes to raising boys. It's a big deal. And so I know, I'm just being honest with you, I would have been probably out of control if it wasn't for my father. I love my father, but I was also scared of my father. And that helped me. How many of you guys know what I'm talking about? That you love your dad, but you're also scared. I was scared to death of him. Not, not because I thought he was going to hurt me, but I knew, man, I, ooh, do not cross my dad. That will not go well. I knew that, and that helped me. That really kept me on the straight and narrow. It really did. Also, as I got older, it went from I, don't, I feared my dad, but eventually it went to I don't want to disappoint my dad. And so it was very, very powerful. So there's nothing wrong with that. That can really help. So if you're keeping up, number one, begin with the right premise. We're all born sinners. Number two, discipline your kids. And number three, limit wrong influences. Limit wrong influences and maximize the right influences. It says in Proverbs 14, there's a way of life that looks harmless enough. Look again, it leads straight to hell. Sure, those people appear to be having a good time, but all that laughter will end in heartbreak. Love that verse. It's so powerful. It's a message translation. The very things, especially teenagers, that, we, that looks, oh, that looks so fun, looks so cool, you're just missing the heartbreak. We told our, our daughter this for years because we told her she couldn't date anyone. She couldn't even have a boyfriend. Uh, we said, you're not going to date until you're 17. Now I'm wanting to renegotiate that to about 19 or 20, but she won't let me. But I used to tell her when she was 15 and 16, when all her friends were dating, you know, well, they're going out on dates already. And I'd say, all you're missing is a heart, heartache. That's all you're missing. And it was really true. And she'd have her friends call her in tears. Oh, he broke up with me. It was horrible. I'm like, see? And she was like, yeah, that's true. That's all you're missing. You aren't missing good times. You're just missing bad. And so it, we, we're just protecting her. So it says in 1 Corinthians 15, let's party for tomorrow we die. Don't be fooled by those who say such things. For bad company corrupts good character. It's really true. You ever had friends like that? I had some friends like that in high school. Man, party, let's do whatever. And they would go crazy and do all these crazy things on Friday night, and they'd be grounded for three months. I always wanted to ask them, like, was it really worth it? <laughs> like, three or four hours of just craziness, was it worth, like, 90 days of sitting at home in your room? I, I just can't think of anything worth 90 days. I really can't. I mean, that, that's just crazy. 
But that's because I love the first line of this verse. It says, let's party for tomorrow we die. But you're not going to die tomorrow. Tomorrow's going to come. So what you do today is going to determine what tomorrow looks like. So there's things you could do today that would completely destroy your tomorrow. Don't do those things. And so I highly recommend you avoid things like that. So limit wrong influences, maximize the right influence. And so there's going to come a season, parents, in your kid's life when you are just not as influential. I know we don't like it, but it's just true. They're not listening to you anymore. They're listening to their friends. And so this is why putting your, friend, putting your children in the presence of other Christian kids is the way to do this. In other words, if they're not going to listen to me and listen to their friends, I want to make sure their friends love Jesus. And that way, when they listen to their friends, they're still getting good advice. So it's very important that we have that. And so can I just give you a summary in two words of what maturity actually is? Here's what maturity really means. It comes down to two words, delayed gratification. Those those two words, that's it. Delayed gratification. That's all it comes down to. God wants you to have a blessed life. He wants you to have a good time. He just wants you to delay that for the right time. That's it. And so, you know, the whole, I want to have my cake and eat it too. If I ever have cake, I'm always eating it. So I don't know why that's even an option to have it and not eat it. That's ridiculous, right? Really, it should be eat your vegetables and have your cake. And so there's nothing wrong with having a good time. Just make sure that you delay gratification. If you spend every penny you ever get, you're going to be broke. So you have to delay those purchases. Well, if I just put that off a little longer and save some money, and that way I have something for a rainy day, it's just maturity is just delayed gratification. So limit wrong influences, maximize the right influence. It's the game changer. Uh, one of the things we did too with the phone, uh, I highly recommend parents, you wait as long as you can before you give your kid a phone. I, I know that your kids, if they're in here listening, are like, I want to kill my preacher right now. I know, <laughs> I know you do. But it, they've done studies and found that even young adults, they, they know the phone's bad and they still are staring at it. Like we know it's bad for us and we're still looking at it nonstop. And so all the studies, all the longitudinal study, studies are now proven, because now we've had smartphones for over 10 years, about 13, 14 years now, that smartphones have been in existence. And all the longitudinal studies say the same thing. The more social media apps you have, the more depressed you are. The more low self-esteem you have. The more you struggle with depression. The more you are longing for, for life to be better. In other words, they are just hurting you. I'm telling you right now, Social media apps are today what in the 70s smoking was. Everyone did it, and it ruined a lot of lives. And so we're going to look back on this 10 years from now. You know what's funny? This is really sad. All the CEOs of Silicon Valley have one thing in common. They send their kids to the same private school in Silicon Valley, and at that private school, no one's allowed to have a cell phone. The creators of cell phones know that it'll destroy their children, but they want your kids to have them. Think about the hypocrisy of that. I want your kid addicted, but I don't want my kid on it. So do not be afraid to bring some controls to that phone. When they go to bed, take the phone. Take the phone, they need some sleep. <laughs> it'll be here, don't worry, it'll be here in the morning. Don't worry, okay. <laughs> We're addicted to these phones. So I want to encourage you, don't be afraid to take the technology away. Frankly, take the technology from yourself. Put your own phone in the other room so you can get some sleep. You know, two married couples sitting in bed looking at Facebook. I can think of something else to do. If you're not tired, I got another option. Turn your marriage around right there. 
Okay. I'm sorry, God. I'm trying. I promise you, I'm, I'm trying. I'm trying to be good. Remember, God, your first point. We're just bad. We're just bad. Okay, so limit wrong influences, maximize the right influence. The next one here, number four, expose them to a better way. And this is where church environments make the difference. Look at the scripture. Hebrews chapter 10 says this, discover creative ways to encourage others and motivate them towards acts of compassion, doing beautiful works as expressions of love. That's what we just showed you, one of the acts of expressions of love, what we did at the West Side. Well, I love the scripture. I love the, how it flows. Discover creative ways to encourage one another, to motivate each other, right? What is that? That's church. We believe in doing church in a creative way. Why? Because we want to motivate you and encourage you and inspire you to live for God. So we try to do it in a creative way. It goes on to say, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Basically it's saying, because of the times we live in, we should be coming to church more often. So this point is really plain and really simple. And that is, you know what? If you're watching online, we're glad you're with us. But if you're anywhere near one of our campuses, get your butt back in church. We need to be in God's house. It's a game changer. I know that some people simply can't make it because of, you know, COVID issues or, or other health issues. We get that. We're not talking to that person. But honestly, that may be one or 2% of you. The rest of you just got to just make a decision to come back. So I just want to challenge you. It's funny, the same people who say, oh, I can't come to church. That's funny. You were at the game Friday night. You were at the mall. So this is just an excuse at this point. And so let's be in God's house. God's house is a priority. Why? Because we need each other. Your kids need it. Don't even do it for you. Do it for your kids. They need to be around other people that are trying to honor God. So that's the, the power of a church environment. Our kids, listen, one of the, I told you last week, I was going to tell you one of the biggest mistakes we made and one of the best things we did. So let me give you, the, it's the same thing. They're exact opposites of each other. The biggest mistake I think I did in parenting was this. I focused too much on behavior modification. Don't do this. Don't talk like that. Don't say that. Don't go here. No, 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 no. And it just eventually, it just, it wears them out. And so I remember the day we finally said, okay, enough of that. And then we, and then we shifted to, instead of telling you 50 no's a day, here's our, here's our big yes. Fall in love with Jesus. And if you'll do that, then he'll take care of all those things. I, I'm not suggesting that we still don't say no to our kids at times. But what I'm telling you is what really changed the hearts of, especially like my boys, it was going to camp. It was God getting a hold of their hearts. It wasn't me. I'd love to tell you, oh, it was my sermons, my preaching. It wasn't me at all. They would come back in camp. Oh, man, the camp preacher was so powerful. He said, don't have sex until marriage. And we'd be like, oh, my gosh, I told you that 75 times a day. <laughs> but one guy, but he said it, and he was cool, and he had J's on. I'm like, oh, okay, well, then, yeah, that's. There's something about this season of life with your teenagers that they just quit listening to you. So get them around other people that they will listen to. That's what camp did it for our kids. You know, maybe a retreat, maybe it's going to youth group one, one Wednesday night or Sunday night. I mean, it, it's powerful. And so I want to encourage you to figure out what, at whatever campus you're at when they have youth group and, and don't make it an option. They have to go. This whole option thing is ridiculous. When people say, you know, well, I'm going to let my kid decide whether they want to go to church or not, whether they want to go to youth group or not. You should let your kids decide whether they want to go to school or not too. Why don't you let your kids decide whether they're going to brush their teeth or not? And that way when their teeth completely fall out of their mouth, then they can decide to brush their teeth. See, that's, that's the thing is that they don't understand that they need to brush their teeth, so you have to force them to do it. Church is the same way. They don't know they need it yet. 
So just tell them, no, you're going. You live in this household, the Bible says, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You live in my house, you're going to youth group. You live in my house, you're going to camp. And by the way, they're going to cry when you drop them off at camp. I don't want to be here. This is lame. This is so terrible. They're going to cry coming home because they don't want to leave by the end. And so I want to encourage you, just tell them, that's not an option. You're going. My kids, my mom and dad made me go to church. It was the best thing they ever did for me. So I just want to encourage you, just tell them you're going. That's it. And if they say, I don't know anyone there, they say to bring a friend, you'll know someone. Just bring a friend, that's fine, it's simple. And they will, first of all, they're going to walk in, they're going to know lots of people because they all go to their schools together. And so, but encourage them to go. Church environments make the biggest difference in the world. The biggest mistake we made was telling them no, 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 no all the time. The best decision we ever made was plopping them down in the middle of a youth group and, letting, and, and say, making that the center of their social world. The center of my boy's social world was not basketball. It was not football. It was youth group. It wasn't, it wasn't gymnastics. It wasn't cheerleading for my daughter. It was youth group. And because of that, they all three have hearts for the Lord. And so I want to encourage you, put them in. I, just, I find it funny. Parents, we're more dedicated to club volleyball than we are to having our kids at, at youth group. We're more dedicated to having our kids go to AAU and, and to all these, you know, academic things. And to, like, we're more dedicated to our kids being a part of these teams. And listen, I'm going to tell you something. When, we're in the world, when their world falls apart at age 22, their coach won't be there for them. God will. Make sure that they don't miss being a part of God's house. It's a game changer. Get their butts in church. It will change their life. It really will. Last one is this, number five. Teach your kids to serve others. Teach them to serve others. Deuteronomy 5 says, Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you. Then you will live a long, full life in the land the Lord your God is giving you. Now, the reason I bring up that with serving is because they need to learn to serve in your house. Honoring your mother and father. See, see, it says, the Bible says to obey your mom and dad. It also says to honor them, which means I don't just do what my mom and dad tell me to do. I should be doing things that I know they want me to do. Does that make sense? So I know mom or dad could have told me to clean my room or to wash my dishes after I eat. But what, what the really the goal is for me to honor them and just get up and do it without being asked, right? That's, that's, that's the ultimate goal that we're going for so that one day I would do that when, when I'm married. So just my wife wouldn't have to ask me to do stuff. I would just want to do it. And so that's a life of honor. The only way a life of honor happens is if you teach your kids to serve others. Look at this last scripture and we'll wrap it up. Galatians 5.13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. Don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another. Can I change the word out freedom with free time? Let's just change it out. We'll see what happens when we do that. Check it out. For you have been called to live in free time, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your free time to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your free time to serve one another in love. But I bet most of our kids' free time is on an Xbox or on a phone or in front of a screen. But instead, have them use a portion of their free time for not screen time, but serve time. Serving others. And the most powerful way to get your kids to serve others is for you to serve others with them. This is why I'm a big believer in serving at church. I would get your kid to serve. Don't just, say, don't just look at your kid and say, you're going to start serving. No, you serve with them. The most powerful thing I, I see around here, and I see it all the time, is a mom and a dad serving in children's ministry, and their teenage kid is serving with them in children's ministry. I love that. 
or as greeters or, you know, running a camera. And those are the kids that do well as adults. In fact, they've done studies that found out that 80% of kids that grew up in church when they go off to college quit going to church. But the one group that goes to church still when they leave home are the kids that didn't just attend church, they served at a church. So when they go to that college town to go to school, they find a church to serve in because they realize I'm not supposed to just be here for me. I'm supposed to be here on this earth for others. How can you teach your kids to serve others if they never see you serving others? So I want to encourage you right now to serve. We're going to put it up on the screen. You can serve right now. You can sign up to serve by simply clicking on this image if you want. We're going to put it on the screen. You can, you can serve right now. Churchlimit.com backslash serve. I want to encourage you to do that. If you're not serving, don't expect your kids to serve. And so, and last thing I want to say about that is that when your kids serve, it gets their eyes off themselves. Guess what happens when you get your eyes off yourself? You get happier. When parents tell me my kid's so depressed, of course they're depressed because all they do is stare at a phone all day and look at other people's curated lives and what, think, why wow, my life's not that cool. Well, go look at your own Instagram. Yours is curated too. You put the best pictures you have, the best images, the best angles. You don't look that good either. No offense, you don't. Neither do I. <laughs> and so we all make ourselves look better than we are. And then we get depressed. So I want to encourage you, you're, people are comparing themselves to this window, this, this, this fakeness, and, oh, I can't measure up. None of us can. And so instead, get your eyes off yourself and get your eyes on serving others. The last thing I want to say is this, and we'll wrap it up. Parents, here's the good news. There is good news at the end of this. You're doing better than you think. And here's how I know. Have you noticed that your kids act better with other people than they do with you? They do. I, I, I found this feature. I'll never forget when my kids were younger. I remember uh, my boys went and spent the weekend with a, a couple uh, in our church with their kids and they're, you know, having a good time. And they came back and they're like, oh my gosh, your kids were so obedient and respectful. And we're like, I'm sorry, Mason, Cornelius, like, you know who my kids are, right? And Cole, like, really? I was shocked. And I realized they're, they're the worst with me, with other people. All the stuff we teach them, they're doing that. And same with our daughter. They would be like, your daughter is so sweet and respectful. And I'm like, so wait, Sophie Cornelius, right? That's, I'm acting like, and I'm not, I'm not insulting. I'm saying that's, we're all that way. We're all our worst with our own family than we are with other people. And it's really fun now. I'll go to the Stone Oak campus and I'll have adults come up to me and they say, oh my gosh, your son is pouring into my son. And you wouldn't believe my, my kid is on fire for Christ because of Mason. I love that. I, I go over to the Devo uh, ministry here, which is our young adults, our college students here in, at the Rockfield campus. Same thing. And I have young people come to me, Cole is so cool, man. He's really got me fired up for God. I'm like, really? The other day, uh, one of our worship leaders here, she said, I was having such a bad day the other day. And I got a text from Sophie. And she just said, I can tell you're having a bad day. And I want you to know I'm praying for you and God's with you. And you're going to get through this. I was like, are you serious? She said, I want, she pulled up, she said, I want you to read this. And I, I was like, oh my gosh. My heart, I mean, I, my head, you, I couldn't walk. My head was so big after this. <laughs> I was bursting with pride for my children. Your kids are doing better than you think. They are picking up on what you're teaching them. The, the last verse, I, I didn't even use it in the outline today because it's so common, it's actually overused in a message like this, but it is true. Train your children up in the Lord, and in the end, they will not depart from it. That means they're going to come back to it. So what you think they're not getting, they are. In fact, the fact that you're in God's house or watching right now, 
They're seeing that. They're getting a lot more of your values than you think. So keep it up. Stay in the fight. And you'll see your kids one day will walk with the Lord. Let's bow our heads. Yep. Let's bow our heads. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. We just take a moment to pray today. I want to encourage you today. Have you given your life to Christ? You can receive him right now by praying a very simple prayer. You can pray this prayer with us out loud together. You can just say, dear Jesus, I realize I need you. I believe you died for my sin. And I believe you rose again. I ask you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. I repent of my sins. I put you in first place. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you just gave your life to Christ, would you just lift your hand high? No one's looking around. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. Thank you. There are hands going up all across our many campuses right now. Thank you. Just lift your hand high if you just gave your life to Jesus. Thank you. Praise God. We see those hands. Thank you. Thank you. We see those hands. Thank you. All the way in the back. Thank you. We see those hands at Stone Oak. Thank you, Rodfield. Thank you, Padre. See those hands out at Rockport. Thank you. Those of you who are online right now, you can put it in the text chat. Just say, my hand's raised. You can just click hand raised right now. Let us know. You just gave your life to Jesus. You're not alone. Lord, we thank you, God, for your word today. Thank you, God, that we can always find ourselves in the pages of your truth. I pray your blessings over our families. Thank you that we can turn our families around. And Lord, I thank you for our children. They are a gift from you. Thank you, God. May we lead them well. In your name we pray. All God's people said, amen. Amen. Isn't God good? His word is so true.